installment of the yummy cocoa show this is a pop culture variety show for your ear holes with sketches music interviews and games i'm your host yummy coco aka colette prosper i am a comedy writer and filmmaker on this show we talk about everything but today we have a very special guest she is a friend of christina garavitas this is unprecedented this is incredible for this podcast, historic, it is Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. Welcome. AOC, oh my God, on Yummy Coco. Welcome. Happy holidays. Hi, Colette. It's, sorry, I'm just so busy rewriting the Constitution right now. Wow. Um, thank, thank you, you for so taking much. The- yes. You know, I would do anything for the people, you know, um, even though you're not from the Bronx. No, um, but I am from New York and oh, I have family wonderful. from Puerto Rico. I love Puerto Rico. Yes. I love my home country, even though I was born in the United States on the mainland. It is where my family is from. Yes. And you know, the thing about Puerto Rico, that people Uh need to understand is that it is a commonwealth of the United States. Yes. And the best thing we could do is to really just support the people of Puerto Rico. Yes, of course. Any way we can. Yeah, there are fellow Americans. Exactly. Except for tourism. Don't even think about stepping foot on our beautiful beaches. So just love it from afar. Yeah. Like a, like a Monet, like a Mona Lisa. I personally do not subscribe to uh, mainstream corporate art, but if that works for you. So speaking of mainstream corporate art, I wanted to talk to you because this is incredible getting the chance to talk to you. I, there's so many questions that I have. You are if, if you were old enough, I would vote for you for president. I, I love you. AOC, you're amazing. But oh, we're not there yet. But we're not but there yet. You. Yes. You. But in the meantime, can I talk to you about Christmas movies? Because, you know, as we head into the holiday season, many traditions come to mind for people like ugly sweaters. Um, I don't know, uh, decorating Christmas tree for me. It's Christmas movie marathons and Netflix is the spot right now that has over, I don't know, 50 movies and they are all awesome. A Christmas castle. Oh my God. Christmas with you with Freddie Prince Jr. Falling for Christmas with Lindsay Lohan. Oh, OMG. Yes. How are you dealing with all of this? Coco, I have to say um, my favorite Christmas movie is definitely 13th. 13th. Available on Netflix for uh-huh. everyone uh, to watch. It's very inspiring and it just gives you that warm, fuzzy feeling 
that drives you to take action. Yeah. I mean, we, we need that. We need that spark to, to under our butts to like get us in, in, in motion and in, in trying to do something yes. for this world. Yes. I don't, I don't know the 13th. Is that the Ava du, DuVernay? Yes. Yes. Okay. The wonderful. Very Ava serious. Yeah, she is. She's wonderful. She's amazing. Um, I don't know if it's like holiday, but it's definitely something that everyone needs to be watching. Definitely. But, yes. you know, I, I watched the Noel diary with Justin Hartley, uh, from This Is Us. I've watched Holiday with, you know, Coco Roberts. I'm, I'm just really right now about the classics. Um, may I recommend yeah. El Norte? Yes. Which is about a brother and sister fleeing from Guatemala for a better future for themselves. Yeah. I saw my Latin American and film class in college. It's heartbreaking. Yes, it is it's incredibly not a, a snappy heartbreaking. Yeah. No, no, not at all. Um, but it's so important for people to understand the immigrant experience. Yeah. From a deep and personal POV. Wow, POV yes. by AOC. Oh, that right. Me and a political leader made a rhyme. Yeah. So tell me how you know Christina because, like, Christina is not from New York. She is not from Puerto Rico. She, uh, I don't know how how you would meet someone. Like yeah, her. I mean, she just sent me a DM one day, wow. and that's all it takes. Yeah, I I am here for the people, Colette. I'm a real person. Um, not like some of these political leaders you see, but um, I just want everyone to know my DMs are open. All right. AOC, POV, DMs, HUV. Yes. I'm trying to think of like other abbreviations. SWV. I think it's a little tired, um. Colette. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm being serious now because this is incredible. Okay. Because this is a very important episode, we have a wonderful entertainment lawyer that I'm going to be talking to later named Raymond Tombay, uh, and we're going to be talking about serious stuff. So this is kind of a serious episode, so I, I do need to put on my serious hat when I'm talking to AOC anyway. AOC loves to have fun. I think that's a big misconception, mm -hmm. and... Um, you know, I like to have fun like everyone else, you know, yeah. like, like doing, working. You like to let your kitchens. hair down. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, and kitchens. Help, yes. And helping yeah, that's the homeless. Wonderful. Yes. And, you know, uh, writing new policy. That's, that's how you. On a Friday down. night. Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, yes. we need people like you. We need. You're constantly working. Oh, thank you because, so much. Yeah, we thank need you, you so much. Yeah, what we're um, otherwise it's uh, utter chaos. So, speaking of utter chaos, I have a sketch that I need to um, go into, and okay, it has to do with Christmas movies. So again. You don't watch Christmas movies, AOC? Can I get your POV on that again, AOC? A Castle for Christmas is is amazing with Brooke Shields and Carrie Elways set in Scotland in a castle. 
You know, I just feel like I can't in, entice you to watch any of these movies in today's capitalistic society. Um, mm-hmm. I just think Christmas is canceled. Yeah. Wow. Oh my God. You're going to be making headlines right now. And it, this is huge for my show. This is huge for the world. Christmas is canceled. And it, is it based on the vapidness of these movies? I mean, Colette, imagine if everyone would just not send one Christmas card this year. Um, how many natural forests yes. we would save forests. and yes. how much more clean air we would have, um, you know, provided my Green New Deal goes through. And, you know, who doesn't want fresh air? I know it's that. I mean, that's the premise of Spaceballs, the movie. So I, I, I feel you on that for sure. Everybody wants fresh air. And so with that and fresh air, um, going back, cause I am connecting that with the radio and, and we're talking, it's radio. Let's go into our sketch. This is the white Lotus Christmas. Thank you so much. AOC. Thank you. I'm, I'm so here for the people. Um, this is AOC from the Bronx, in case um, you didn't know who I was. Thank you. Sketch. Sketch. Ben. Baby. I'm tired of Mariah Carey as the Christmas queen every year. The title belongs to me, J-Lo. You're right, baby, but what are you going to do? I'm going to write the most sexiest and gorgeous Christmas song that blows Mariah right out of the water. I just need a change of scenery. Okay, let's do it. We need to return to our favorite place where we can bask in the intoxicating drama of chaotic secrets exposed every day in a palazzo. The White Lotus Sicily. The White Sicily. Lotus Sicily! Whenever I stay at the White Lotus, I always have a memorable time. Always. But this time, no orgies in someone else's palazzo with someone's uncle that's not really their uncle, okay? But how else am I going to come up with the perfect Christmas song? Okay, fine, but if we're standing under a sprig of mistletoe or in a heated infinity pool... Deal. I'll get my little headscarf nobody likes. Get ready to live out your wildest fantasies, Ben. Baby? Yeah, Ben. Can my best friend Matt come with us? Can my best friend Matt... No! Matt Damon cannot come with us. That son of a bitch still owes me crypto money. And real money. And fake money, too. You know, I'm sick and tired of your fucking friends. Okay, okay. Geez, sorry I asked. Hi, this is TV's Jennifer Coolidge. This Christmas, curl up with a cheese board and a glass of Moscato. And watch what happens when the world's most famous couple head to a resort and unleash their worst and most privileged impulses in Sicily. A White Lotus Christmas. Yeah. So what song did you come up with, baby? What? I have to write it myself? Oh, Merry Christmas to me, I guess.
it was awesome. So, okay. So, and we're back. Awesome. Let's get into my chat with entertainment lawyer, Raymond Tambay. Hi, Raymond. Hi, how are you? Hi. So we're going to talk about uh, being an entertainment lawyer, a talent lawyer, um, how you got into the field. Um, also, as a writer myself, mm-hmm. you know, I want to know, do I need one? Um, I, I interviewed someone recently who she got a TV gig and she didn't have an agent. Mm-hmm. So she got a lawyer. So like and, and that and that person helped her with um setting up her her job which yes. is uh, where she's at right now so i want to talk to you about all of that but first up an icebreaker okay you're from texas so i'm yes. curious because I'm, I'm from new york okay how do you eat pizza um so i uh geez because I, th- I feel like the texas people are going to kill me i i i'm a folder i me do too. i do fold the slice if it's a triangle slice i fold it down the middle but yes um but so you spent I'll, some time in New York then? I, I only visiting, but I know you know I've picked up on the uh, some of the mannerisms and some of the the traditions. I okay. um, but I will say my favorite right now is like Detroit slices, right? So they're square, oh, so there's not really yeah. any folding. You just kind of just kind of dig right into it. Yeah. There's a place called Emmy Square. I haven't been there yet, but that's oh, yeah. in LA. Yeah, okay. it's a but they might actually be in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might be Emmy Squared. It might be another name. Uh, there is one here in LA. Yeah. It's a square. It's a it's a D- Detroit traditional. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's that's your jam. Like kind of Sicilian style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I okay. like um and I don't know if it counts. I mean Prince Street Pizza, which is also in New York yeah. and in LA, I'm a big fan of. Um and they then have there's the squares. A, yeah, they have the squares. And then there's a place I've been meaning to try in Echo Park, um, called Quarter Sheets that looks really oh, good. Nice. Uh oh, cool. and they do they do the square. So I I'm I like pizza. Pizza's kinda of my jam right now nice nice it's so comforting um it's it's the best so okay so when you're not eating pizza you're an entertainment lawyer yes um sometimes both at the same time (laughs) if if you're having a meeting occasionally so how did you get into it because it's not something easy to get into like what's your what's your origin story yeah yeah sure so i was i was so i'll start by saying uh and not to take everyone like all the way to the beginning of my life, but my parents are Cameroonian, um, which yeah. is a country in West Africa, on the coast of West Africa, uh, and I say that... But like English? English or French? English speaking, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, wow, okay. yeah, you know. Okay, yeah. so, uh, and I say that to say that when they, you know, they're immigrants here, right, and, and so like a lot of African immigrants, what was really important to them for their kids was like education and stability, and so I was maybe eight years old, and they asked me, like, what do you want to do with your life, which is a big question for an eight-year-old. Yes. Uh, and <laughs> at the time, the limited wisdom that I had was um, I knew how to give them an answer that would prompt very few follow-up questions. So I told nice. them I wanted to be a lawyer. And that was that was really why I decided that's why I wanted to do what I wanted to do. Um, wow, so you've always been strategic, even as a small child. I guess so, right? Like, I just didn't want to be bothered. So I was like, oh. Yeah. Like, I know this falls into one of the pre-approved categories, so let's do that. Um, and then I got older, and um, and that was, so that was like elementary school, right? And then middle school, I did like mock trial, and then like high school, there was like debate and pre-law like um, stuff, and in college, same thing. And I was like, oh yeah, okay, I, I, I kind of vibe with this, I like this. This is like a, yeah. there's like a rational, logical side of my brain where this makes a lot of sense. Um, and then 
Um, it was probably actually coming out of high school and going into college. I started falling in love with film and television. So I, I went to I went to a regular public high school, but for some reason in in two of our classes, one junior year, one senior year, we had film projects. Um, oh. One was like an English project. We did like a, a short film that was like uh, an allegory of like one of the books we read, and I think we did like the Iliad or something. Um, oh, nice! And then the other one, we actually studied film for a six week, you know, whatever they're called, they're six weeks chunks of, of school. Uh, uh-huh. And um, and then we're, they were like, okay, now show us some of the film techniques that we've learned. Uh, and so I, I did that and I started like watching more movies in more of like a um, less of an entertainment way and more of like a, like, oh, I really like the art of filmmaking and like who all is involved with this process and um, like what is a writer and what does a director do and what, how is a director and a producer different? And... Um, and I started falling in love with entertainment and the arts, and I'd always loved reading, and I'd always loved music, and so I had like a moment where I was like, am I supposed to do that? But I never really felt like I was the creative, right? I just like really liked being around it, consuming it, um, and having some impact on it, and so as I was going to college, I was like, well, is there a way to combine like, oh, I want to be a lawyer with, I really like entertainment, and I, yeah. you know, you put it into Google, and it comes up like, oh yeah, entertainment lawyer's a thing. <laughs> I was like, all right, cool, great, I'll do that. Um, but as I got into law school, I realized that there wasn't really a straight path for people who wanted to do entertainment law. Um, I think for a lot of other types of law, there is a straight path. There's a lot of recruiting and things like that. Yeah. Um, and for entertainment, it's like one of those kind of highly coveted, like maybe a lot of people think about dipping their toe into it. And so it's like a sexy as sexy as law can be but you know whatever and um contracts yeah exactly uh and so for me i just kept on trying to find opportunities that exposed me to entertainment so i worked at a nonprofit called california lawyers for the arts which was a a legal referral service in california if you like i think so and it's like it's you know it's 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 arts on the kind of like the wider definition of arts, right? So it's if you're a writer, if you make pottery, or if, if you, you know, if you sew and sell clothes, whatever, mm-hmm. and you have questions about, am I allowed to do this? Or someone is coming after me for that. You call up and depending on your income bracket, they'll either send you to someone who's standard fee, someone who's like a reduced fee or pro bono work. Um, yeah. And so it's just an kind of incredible resource for um, for artists in California. And I think probably other states have similar similar programs. But I did that for, um, I think for a quarter, because uh, at Stanford we had quarters instead of semesters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I... Uh, so I you spent went to Stanford a, Law or you went yeah. to both undergrad and... No, 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 no. So, yeah, sorry. So UT, UT Austin for undergrad, Stanford oh, for nice. law school. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so I, I then I spent like a quarter in, at NBC's newsroom because uh, there wasn't really like a, there wasn't really like a, a big entertainment presence in the Bay. And so I was like a journalism intern for, for a quarter, just so I could be near, like as close to entertainment as I could get, right? Yeah. Um, we didn't have a ton of classes. Uh, so I just kind of found exposure that way. And then one summer, I, um, I spent interning at Different Brittenham, which is a, is a talent, a boutique talent representation firm in Los Angeles. And um, I got that just, I, had a, I was lucky. I had a friend who had interned there. He gave me the managing partner's assistant's email. I emailed her. 
uh, with frequency uh, probably every week or every other week until I got a response. Like, where, 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 where my job at? Yeah, just like, hey, it's me. Hey, it's me again. Hey, Hi, <laughs> just in case you forgot. Uh, and, uh, and then I drove uh, down, I guess, down to L.A., um, they were like, Hey, can you, can you, I think it was like, can you interview tomorrow or, or the next day? And I was like, sure. Uh, I'm on my way. Um, and so that was like my first six like, hours later. Exactly. Uh, and that was my first like real experience with what do entertainment lawyers actually do? Mm-hmm. And I liked it. And, and, and when I was in LA, I, you know, I had coffee with as many people as I could. I asked everyone at the firm to introduce me to, to, to other people in the business. Yeah. And they were really kind to do that. Um, but they didn't hire first-year law students. So, you know, I told them, like, I would love to work here when I graduated, and they were like, this really isn't the place for us. You could go get some, tra- or for you, um, go get training and then come back to us. And I was like, all right, well, I don't, you know, where am I supposed to get the training? Because there, exactly. there are some bigger law firms which tend to do more recruiting that have entertainment, um, they have entertainment practices. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even at those, a lot of times you have to be in a more general practice group and then kind of find your way into it. Um, and so that summer between law school and um, I guess, yeah, graduating, uh, I applied everywhere. I was applying to law firms, I was applying to um, consulting firms that had entertainment practices, I was applying to be the executive assistant of business affairs executives at studios. I, I just wanted to get in the door, and yeah. again, I got lucky. I saw a, um, I saw a, a posting for a job. They were looking for someone who, you know, had no experience. They were going to train them, uh, and it was at a boutique firm called Cohen Gardner, and they were going to kind of bring me in as a, basically as an assistant, um, which is like pretty, like it, that's pretty normal, like in the kind of agency or management um like you know if you want to be a manager you want to be an agent you get brought in as an assistant you learn that's not really normal for lawyers right because you already did the learning in law school then you got like a a whole law degree and you pass the bar uh but i was like yeah sure whatever um if this is what it takes to get my foot in the door um i'm going to do it and the funny thing is i had already applied to that job right like i told you i had i had already sent an email to someone and so i was like look i you guys have been on my radar for for way long or whatever and so I guess maybe yeah. that was they thought that was cool and, and they gave me my shot and that's that's where I um, I moved to LA and um, and actually it was um, so when I took the bar the first time I did not pass uh, because uh, that well, happens. I it's really hard it is hard and it, and it requires a lot of focus and I didn't I didn't um, I developed like decent study habits in law school but not great ones and I and I was not a focused studier um, which is like just something that I've been working on like my entire life and, and, and career because for a lot of life like things came easy to me and so like I don't know lesson for everyone out there who things come easy to early in life sometimes things will be harder later so develop some yeah. study habits anyway <laughs> didn't pass the first time word of yeah uh, yes. exactly yeah word uh, uh-huh. uh, and so I took it again I got a tutor took it again tutor was great um, I would shout them out right now if I could remember who they were but I don't um, and or the company but um but they're in the bay. They are. I think it, I did all my stuff like did like um. They're somewhere in L.A. or in California because I did all my stuff like over the phone and like those sorts of things. So um, I'll maybe I can send you their name and you could put it in the show notes or something. Okay. Um, but um, I took it again and I was gonna get my results on 
May 15th. I interviewed at the at Cohen Gardner and they were like, okay, cool. It was a couple months of interviewing and they were like, look, we like you. We want you to start um, May 18th, uh, but only if you pass the bar. And I was like, well, I get the results May 15th. And they're like, well, you know, you can either move to LA and like be ready to go or say no. And so I moved. Oh. Uh, without without having my results, and obviously it, it worked out. Um, Leap of but faith. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I knew I knew I wanted to be in the place, and the second time around, I actually did put the appropriate amount of time and effort into studying. So, um, what was that so, yeah. application process like? Like, what kind of? Because you said it was like two months. So you're you're talking to all these different associates and partners. And yeah. they're trying to get a sense of what, like your personality or, or like, you know, your, your pizza eating skills. Like, what are they, <laughs> what are they trying to find out um, about you? Yeah, no, no, no. It's a good question. So it, it's a small, that was an even smaller firm. So boutique is kind of a, it's a pretty broad term. Zifrin had about, you know, when I, when I got there, it was like around 30 attorneys. Mm-hmm. When I got to Cohen Gardner, it was five. It was, ooh, I think five, including me. Um wow. So much smaller. So, you know, I met with the partners um, and then I think, yeah, I met with, you know, two other. So the first time I met with one person, it was like one partner, I think. Uh, and then they brought me back for a second round. I met everyone else in the office. And I think they just wanted to see, like, you know, is this someone who really wants to do this job? Um, you, know, are they, you know, do we think that they're relatively intelligent, um, you know, can breathe and type? Um and, you know, like, you know, some of the questions that were asked were like, what was the last movie you saw? Who directed it? You know, it was like, do you care about this business? Um, do you know the players? Who are the agencies? Who are the management companies? Um, wow. It, because, like, entertainment law, unlike a lot of other practice areas, is not really, like, it's not really like a, a doctrine of law. It's just an industry in which there are many, many different types of law that intersect, right? So you have, like, some intellectual property, copyright, trademark stuff. You have a lot of contract stuff. You're going to have some like physical property stuff. You're going to have employment law and labor law. Um, you're going to have some First Amendment stuff, so constitutional law. Um, and it all just kind of falls under the entertainment umbrella because it affects the entertainment industry. And so there's not really a way of like seeing like, you know, if, if I was going to a job where um, I was going to be, you know, like, uh, Prior to entertainment, I did patent law for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so if they had questions about, like, well, how long does a patent run? And, you know, like, um, what are the unique elements required to qualify for a patent? And those sorts of things, like, there is kind of a certain... There, there are certain things you have to know about patents to practice that law. For entertainment, it's really more of, like, what do you know about the industry and how it works? Um, yeah. Because our job is to... Um, within the flow of the industry, help our clients like make money, be protected, but we have to have an actual understanding of the industry itself. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, what you're saying, like about patent law, um, you know, yeah, copyright. It's I think about somebody who's like a multi-hyphenate, like a Rihanna or like mm-hmm. a Kate Hudson, mm-hmm. who they are actors, they're um, musicians, they're sure. clothing designers. Yeah. So they have all of these different um, interests. J Lo, you know, J Lo mm-hmm. has all of these different um, uh, avenues of, of making money. So mm-hmm. 
where would an entertainment lawyer fit into that milieu? Because I, or, or even, and then also, it also reminds me of Ezra Miller. And I know you can't, you probably can't talk about that, but um, you know, Ezra Miller. I'm sure there are entertainment lawyers that are in the mix. Yeah. Well, so look, uh, you know, yeah, I can't, I can't speak to Ezra's situation. Yeah. Um, but to your point, anytime a client um, is having an issue like that, we are part of that team, and so. Uh, our our representation tends to touch a lot. We don't always handle everything, right? So if a client is renting an apartment, um, you know, we want to be aware of that, right? Because we need to be aware of like the length of the lease. Do they have everything they need with respect to being able to do their job and being close to set? What's the transportation situ- uh, situation like? But obviously, we are not real estate. We're not like real estate lawyers, and so it would be better to have someone with that expertise look that over or if they want to buy a house or, you know, whatever. But we are, you know, we, we are tapped in to everything. And so if it's more corporate, maybe we'll get corporate counsel, but we're also going to be involved because um, when a lot of clients do corporate deals, there is some flowing of IP and we have, you know, we want to be able to, to be next to that. Um, and uh, yeah, so, I mean, I, I would say like, when, when we have a client who's a multi-hyphenate, you mentioned Rihanna, who actually is a client of ours. Um, I, you know, with some of our clients, we do we do the music side and we do the, um, and actually the firm that I'm at now, we no longer, we don't have any music attorneys. So our, all of our music clients are, are represented outside um, by, by separate music counsel. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, sometimes uh, at, at my previous firm, we would maybe do music and television and film and like you know podcasting and things like that and then if they're getting into like fashion like rihanna you know we might be providing guidance on like this is what you can and can't license like nfts are a big thing right now and counseling clients on like well i know you wrote the script but because the studio owns it maybe you know based on how we carved out the rights maybe they own the nft rights maybe you own the nft rights um and you know we're we're along for the ride you know, uh, at kind of every single juncture. Wow. Okay. Uh, is there any way? So, so wow. Your your firm also represents Rihanna and and other other you know celebs. So there's not a lot you could say like specific wise. Mm-hmm. But is there an example of a time when you like successfully negotiated on behalf of a client? You know, especially being a part of this this nucleus, like say, you know, you have a client that has all these different in- endeavors and you have to somehow, um, I don't know, uh, uh, connect you have, you're the connector in... Yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So, I mean, I think, in, and I would hope that we have lots of examples of successfully representing clients, um, but I would say I, I really enjoy doing things on every kind of size and scope and scale. So I have clients who are, you know, getting staffed for the first time um, or, or in the past were getting staffed for the first time, right? So you're going to be a staff writer and... We got to figure out what's your rate going to be and how long are you going to be guaranteed your fee and are you allowed to develop things outside of outside of staffing um, or an actor who's maybe doing an alternative type of TV show? Um, you know, do you get to participate in any of those profits uh, when you're traveling? Can you try? Do you have any family concerns? Do you need to travel with your family? And what does that situation need to be like? Um, 
I mean, down to how many days are you working and how many weeks and how can we balance this project with two other projects you have coming up? Um, all the way up to more massive endeavors like, you know, we represent Tyler Perry and Tyler Perry Studios and, uh, and Viacom, I guess now Paramount Global, uh, back in 2019, co-launched BT Plus. And we were, you know, involved with that deal in terms of, you know, for Tyler and Tyler Perry Studios, you know, what does his... Uh, share of the ownership look like and, and what does that mean and what's what you know how much content is he delivering to the platform and um you know what is what is bt and what is viacom putting into the mix and how do we value all of that and so that involving um corporate uh people business managers investment bankers um us and uh i'm probably forgetting you know a few of those groups and teams but you know, I felt like we had a really good result, obviously, in the launching of a new streaming service that was co-owned by a kind of, not an individual, it's a studio. His, his studio is a studio, but it's very different than other studios, right? And it's it's led uh, in large part by one per, you know, one owner, one individual. And so yeah. um, we felt like that was a fantastic and very unique result. We have certain clients who... Um, their business model includes, like most people when they make a project for the studio, the studio owns it. We have clients who are able to kind of put together, we help them put together outside financing uh, so that they can shoot their project, license it to the studio for some period of time, and then maybe they are going to keep um, their the international rights and they can sell it internationally or they keep home video or after a certain term the project comes back to them and they can exploit it how they want to exploit it that that allows them to kind of participate in downstream um, profits in a different way than someone who's just getting a piece of um, a back end or, or profit on a, on a project so we pride ourselves on um, figuring out what the clients needs are and trying to strike unique deals um, so that whatever their needs are, they can be met. Wow. Okay, so you, you've laid out a lot. It's almost like your producers in a way. It's almost like your agents <laughs> in a way um, and managers. So you, you cover a lot. Um, are you picky in terms of, because you represent Rihanna, Tyler Perry, um, very successful screenwriters. Mm-hmm. What are you picky in terms of like who you represent? Could um, could I come to you? Like, and and that's okay. You don't have to. You don't have to protect <laughs> my feelings because you're talking to me now. But sure. like, do you do you have to have a certain type of client? Well, I'll say this, and so like I said, you know, um, you know, some of I, I will say not every client that we have is a recognizable name. Um, but all of them, you know, for the most part are doing recognizable things or, or are doing kind of really, um, they're really established in their fields. Um, and that's not to say that we don't take chances on people who are up and coming. I would say it's fewer and far between, um, as time goes on, just because, you know, we have a finite amount of time, finite amount of resources, and it makes sense to, to kind of. Uh, allocate those specifically to clients who are doing really, really well. But we're also equally aware that there's like a next gen. There's always going to be a next generation of creators and filmmakers and actors and um, creatives who, um, you know, if we can kind of figure out well, who do we think the stars are going to be? Those are obviously people we're going to want to work with, and we want to help get them to that point. Um, yeah. So. I say that to say, I know it's not a super clear answer because it kind of is a case by case, um, you know, 
not all of like a, a lot of the clients that I represent um, are, are big names, but not all of them. And, and a lot of them, you know, are it's it's they've only maybe they've sold one or two shows, or um, you know, they're they're directing episodes of TV, waiting to get like a pilot episode, or waiting to get a feature off the ground. Um, but the people that we decide to work with, I think, uh, to a, to a person, are all people that we believe are going to be stars uh, and that are going to have big careers. And on top of being immensely talented, have like the work ethic to make those things possible. So what about like somebody who is starting as a staff writer, Mm -hmm. someone who um, someone who gets a a writer's assistant gig? Mm -hmm. When should they consult an entertainment lawyer? Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. And and, and I've had people ask me kind of a, a similar question, which is like, well, who should like what's the first rep I should bring on on my team? Is it manager? Is it agent? Is it? Is it um, lawyer? And it's hard to say. I would say that the way that it usually goes is manager, then agent, then lawyer. And for another reason, then like, although there's a lot of overlap um, between those uh, those jobs, um, managers I think do the best job of kind of developing people, right? For kind of getting them from like a whatever it is, an actor showcase or uh, you know, uh, an open mic night, uh, and really developing their talent um, for the world, right? So, uh, and then once that happens, you have an agent who comes on board and is like helping to continue to build that momentum and helping to continue to find the right deals and 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 break that 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 person open as a as a performer or as a writer. Um, and, and really make the town aware of them and help them find opportunities. And most agencies have business affairs, like internal business affairs. They have lawyers that will represent um, those clients. And then at some point, a lot of clients feel like, well, I want someone who's like mine, right? Who is who? I want, I want a lawyer who is worried specifically about me and who is dedicated to me, who's an outside perspective. And that's generally when someone brings a lawyer onto the team. Now I'll say that I think, I think you know, if you're not in a place where you have a manager or an agent, or maybe if you're in a place where you just have a manager who's not as used to doing as much deal making, some are and some aren't, um, then it makes sense to bring on a lawyer. And a lot of people then say like, well, like for instance, your firm doesn't really take people on at the very beginning of their careers. Maybe so, what do I do? And to that, I'll say that there, I think out there, there is a good quality lawyer for everyone. And different lawyers operate at diff- on different like um, fee structures and fee models, and um, like some do hourly work, some will do like work on a monthly retainer, some will um, like for our, you know like for us we do percentages, so we, we, we get a percentage of, of, of the commission from our clients, um, but like take hourly for instance, um, that that structure makes sense for. Um, people who are kind of very early on in their careers where it's like, well, I'm not sure what the payoff on this is going to be, so I don't want to work on a percentage model, but this person's willing to pay me for my time so that they can get together whatever it is for however many hours they need, then they have a lawyer. Um, It might just be that they need you to draft a a basic contract, right? which might be two to four hours of work. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. And that's going to be... You know that proposition doesn't really make sense for um, for a percentage attorney, but it but it does make sense for an hourly attorney. And so I think that there is 
always someone out there. Um, it's just about kind of being connected to that person. And I think it's like ask, ask like friends and colleagues who are also creatives. If you know any managers or know any agents, they definitely know lawyers, um, probably too many lawyers. And so it's just about finding that right person. So if I'm going on Yelp to find an entertainment lawyer, <laughs> absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> am I looking? Am I looking to see that that person is not a percentage lawyer? Because if if it's a percentage lawyer, like oh, they probably represent a Tyler Perry type. Like is that is that sort of my telltale sign that mm. like oh that's a that's a big deal lawyer? Yeah, I mean not not necessarily because I think I mean I think some people like even within that range and 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 I don't and I don't mean. Uh, I want to be careful about this because I don't mean like that they're not big deals lawyers. I think everyone's a big deal. I think everyone is a big, a great person. Um, but I'll say that not everyone has like the same scope or size or scale of clients. Um, and, and, and people can work on percentage but do like volume business, right? So they do. They've gotten to a point where they can do certain deals very quickly. Um, and so if you can get enough of those deals in the door, then the percentage model might still work for you because even though they're small, you can do them at you know, this kind of scale where it makes sense for your business. Um, so I would say like maybe, the, I would say what, what matters more is like, what what is the work that you need? Um, and so if it is, uh, if you're asking someone to draft something, then yeah, probably percentage doesn't make sense because there's just not an opportunity there for them to make money. You're maybe like you're looking to do a sh- like a, a collaboration agreement with a friend or you're looking to option the rights to a book where money is going out instead of coming in. Well, that doesn't make sense for a percentage attorney because they're, you know, there's it's a percentage of zero, zero. So, but, yeah. but if you're, you know, getting hired to direct a short or you're directing a short film and maybe you're getting paid a little bit, if it's a quick deal, maybe it makes sense to someone who's getting 5% cause they can do it at an efficient rate. Um, and then for them, it's, you know, it, just like an agent or manager, I think people get signed, uh, as clients very early on, earlier and earlier, like every every year, every couple of years, but people are getting signed super early on in their careers. And so we're all out there looking for who do we think is going to be really special. And sometimes what you need to do to get involved with them or to, to sign them as a client is get involved early and do their small deals because you believe that there are big deals on the horizon. Um, and, you know, doing the small deals is kind of your way of getting locked in. Now, that is a model for some people, and that's not a model for other people. Other people feel like, look, these, you know, the types of clients that we represent, we feel like when it's t- when the, when they're ready to sign someone, yeah. if we can get in the mix, then we're not going to have a problem, even if we weren't kind of the early birds. So, but that's uh, still you know, kind of that's yeah. a little sort of blurring the lines of between manager and entertainment law. Absolutely, the whole industry is blurred lines, right? It's it's <laughs> it's all like I think you know like. Some people say like, oh, like managers will help you develop your work and then agents will help you find your jobs, but managers also help you find your jobs and agents right. also help you develop your work. I and don't a manager think, can you know, be a producer. Managers can be producers, right? And I, I don't, you know, like I don't recommend any of my clients send me any of their content for notes, but if they wanted to, they could, right? And uh, and agents help, and, you know, agents do the deals and we do the deals and, and managers sometimes do the deals. And so there is a lot of overlap. There are little distinct things that... Maybe like to your point, agents are not allowed to produce, right? That's just because they're they're a licensed body, and that's part of, um, you know, the restrictions on them. Um, it's generally not like, you know, like lawyers generally don't like do those sorts of things. Some lawyers do produce, but they're they're obviously like uh, 
rules from the California bar that dictate what we can and can't do. Um, you know, most of the time managers aren't the ones reviewing actual, you know, contracts and agreements, right? Even if they did help with the deal. And so it's like, yeah, there's a ton of overlap, but we all, you know, we all have kind of unique value. And the hope is that working together, we can help grow the pie for, for our kind of respective clients. Wow. Okay. So speaking of pie, so like in a pie chart, yes. how much, cause you know, just like you were saying, the blurred lines, uh, you're, you know, you're, cause you're, you're going to parties. I met you at a party. Yeah. You're, you're going to parties. You are, um, socializing, you're networking. Um, you are part of these, you know, deals. Uh, you're part of these, um, you know, these, uh, entertainers looking to to other endeavors so like how much in your pie chart is actual law and like how, oh. and how do you how do you piece everything so like i'm sure um you know 30 percent or 50 percent is your life yeah. you know you're uh, a family man yeah and then yeah. you have you know how do you how do you how do you break up that pie yeah i don't jeez uh, i mean i wish i i wish i knew uh and because to me it kind of shifts i think I, when I was younger, um, not that I think I'm old now, but when I was younger, I used to feel like I want to have everything in balance, right? And I want to have like, maybe it's a, yeah, like a quarter in work and a quarter in family and a quarter in friends and maybe a quarter in like faith. Um, and, and that is what I can, like, and if I can do that, then my life will be balanced. And, but what I've learned is as I get older is that the, it's, everything is just constantly shifting and and by the way, like being balanced doesn't necessarily mean everything is supposed to be even. So like, you know, my first priority is my family. And um, that means that like, uh, it is the most important thing to me. Now, sometimes like lines will shift if something at work has to be done like right away. And yeah. it's not gonna like, like it will take away from family time, but it maybe it's not gonna take away from like critical family time, right? And so it's hard, to, it's, it's hard to say. I will say within the job itself, I mean, you know, any given day, like I might spend the whole day on paperwork, uh, or then, and the next day I might spend the whole day on the phone and the next day I might like leave early to go to a premiere, um, you know, because it's a really exciting moment for a client and we want to know that we're invested in that, in, in, in the process and in the entire life cycle of their career. Um, and sometimes I'll do things like this. Uh, and like, uh, I unfortunately had to reschedule something this morning, but uh, it's probably will be rescheduled later this week, uh, a call with like a law student or, uh, someone who's in college who wants to do entertainment law and, and, and how can they, you know, position themselves to do that. And I probably do one of those, like probably, I don't know, four times a month. Um, you know, What's just whoever the, reaches out. What is the question that most ask you? What's the same question that most of them ask you? Um, I would say it's probably either like, how do I get into it? Right? Like, how do I, um, so, so it's that question, like, how do I actually get into entertainment? Uh, and then the other question is probably like, what do I need to like, cause I talked to a lot of students, like, what do I need to do to prepare, like to practice in this, in this field? And, and to yeah. the people who are trying to prepare, I say, um, if you, know, if you're going to, if you're already in a school, if that school has any entertainment law classes, anything in like copyright or trademark, um, you know, anything in contracts or transactions, take all that stuff. Um, and then on top of that, read the trade. So read Variety, read Hollywood Reporter, read Deadline, try to read their business and legal section. So you can have an understanding of like, what are the deals? What do they look like? Who are the players? Um, 
I think, again, almost without fail, if I talk to a student or someone who's interested in moving from, you know, M&A to entertainment, mm-hmm. I'm going to send them a list of resources, books that they can read to familiarize themselves with the industry and um, firms that operate at different levels that are, some are doing financing, some do production legal, some do, um, you know, talent representation, some do music, some do sports. Um, and with those like labels so that they can start reaching out to people because the other thing you want to do is network. Um, so yeah, I would say that. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. What's the best. Um, so there, there are definitely for, for writers, there, there are many different books, Mm -hmm. uh, including bird by bird and, Mm -hmm. um, inside the writer's room. Like really there, there are really great books out there. What's a, like a quintessential, like awesome entertainment law book. And I kind of laugh because law is like, I, I, I don't know if I could read a, a legal book, but like, yeah. uh, but what's something is just like, I don't know, the uh, the most exciting thing, the Toni Morrison of legal books. Yeah. Uh, exciting is tough. Exciting is tough. <laughs> um, I would say, I mean, there's a song called, I mean, not a song, there's a, there's a, a book called The Biz that a lot of people um, read and it's pretty uh, good at kind of explaining a bunch of different concepts. I um, I read a book called um, like this like the movie making book. I think it's called the, this, like the movie making business book, which really explains more about like the movie making business than it does yeah. about legal concepts. But again, um, that's like another good book to read because you want to understand the business and then there's another book uh written by my former boss called the dealmaker's commandments that are just about like kind of negotiate negotiating tenants and those are um are really good as that's really good as well and those are really helpful um and i'm i'm forgetting a bunch but there are uh those are good ones books about like independent film financing that i probably uh it's like 43 ways to finance your film which is great for filmmakers who are looking for money and, and trying to find like alternative ways, um, but also good for lawyers to know like how how can we be creative and helping to put together these sorts of things for clients. Because um, going back with the yeah. blurred lines motif, mm-hmm. you you have to know the mechanics of how yep. a movie is made, how yep. someone gets a job, how yep. a script is written you have to know all these things to then figure out a way for you to kind of stick your foot in exactly exactly because yeah yeah because if you if you know like a bunch of kind of legal theory like that's great but it's not like it it, you you need to be able to kind of practically help clients and help them to know um you know these are some of the things you're going to face or deal with um these are some of the problems um right like this this is why it's challenging to higher crew or higher cast or this is you know why you want to film and like you know like you might wonder like why does your lawyer care where your movie is filmed right like what state it's filmed in but it's because different states have different tax credits and if you spend a certain amount of money there you can get some money back either as a rebate or a discount um and that can help kind of boost the budget of the film you can put more money on screen and so it's these sorts of things um that you kind of need to know and understand beyond just like the legal of like you know what does indemnification mean? Um, I would say another another good book is, I think it's called, let me see, it's called The Business of Television by Ken Basin is another helpful one um, for any lawyer who's trying to understand a little bit more about 
historically about how TV works, and, and then it's, it's constantly updated, so um, how it's kind of changing. And then I mentioned my boss earlier. I meant Jeff Cohen is the, is the person who I was referring to, who is at Cohen Gardner, where I started my career, and also is a former uh, actor who played Chunk in the Goonies when he was Oh, when yeah, he was young. yeah, yes. Oh, my God. So you worked with Chunk. I worked with Chunk. I worked oh, with that's Chunk. amazing. Yeah. What is he doing now? He's still uh, a lawyer. Yeah, successful lawyer, uh, representing great clients. He has a uh, his his um he's a lot of unscripted clients, a lot of huge clients in the comedy space, um who are doing all sorts of fantastic things. Um, he's a percentage lawyer. He is. <laughs> you got it. You got it. You got it. You got it. Um, that what he is not doing, at least to my knowledge anymore, is the truffle shuffle. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't think that he's doing that. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, good good joke. Um, so like, uh, how much is it of because uh, entertainment? So you you have to be a lawyer. You have to know your shit. You sure. have to um, you have to know the business. Mm-hmm. You also have to be a people person. So how how do you how do you how do you be a people person? Like, do you take an improv class? <laughs> do you um, like how do you how do you find your personality? Or, or are you just being your like? Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. How do you be yourself in an industry where you can't quite be yourself? Yeah, no, it's a good question. It's a good question. Um, what's the answer? It's definitely not improv class. Not for me, anyway. Um, <laughs> although, like, you know, whatever. Not a, maybe not a terrible way. You go, go to Groundlings or uh, UCB and maybe you'll find some clients. But um, I don't know. I guess just... Uh, I, actually, I don't know. There's two, there's two answers to this. Uh... One is I grew up in Plano, Texas, um, and Plano is a is very fancy community in Dallas. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it's definitely a suburb. It's a it's a very it's a peak suburb. We'll say yeah, that. Yeah. Um, and it's like so, the Pasadena of Dallas. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And so I I learned how to code switch. I think before I mean before I knew what it was, right? Yeah. And honestly, I'll say like I didn't really have like a add that to the fact that like my parents were immigrants right so I didn't really have like a black American experience until I got to college and I kind of had to figure that out and then that was like four years of primarily hanging around like hanging out with black people and Africans and then uh, going back to law school where I was like around a lot of like white people again Um, and I was like oh I had to like relearn this Um, but what that all afforded me, like the, the the kind of fortune and benefit of, was like learning how to move between worlds and yeah. and and. But the, I think with every passing year, I and I, the reason I say there's two answers is because with every passing year, I realize, you know, whatever you go to therapy and you realize like, oh, I like I like myself, or I've learned to like myself, and so I'm just gonna be whatever whoever myself is in this space, and mm-hmm. and then the people that resonate with that, great, and whether that means it's like. Uh, managers and agents who I who I work with, who I'm colleagues with, whether it means like clients who maybe I want to sign and who want to work with me, then like if they like me for me and they think I can do a good job, then that's great. Because if they don't like me or if they only like a version of me, I am going to get tired, right? Like every time I get a call and I have to like put on a certain voice or put on a certain like uh, yes. mask or whatever, it's draining. And those are like not like people that I want to work with. So I, you know, these days... Just do the best to be like my authentic self, show up as that person, um, and let the chips fall where they may. But also, like, not be a weirdo. 
So, that's, you know. that's key. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, because uh, it's yeah, like you yeah. have to have a good vibe, they have to have a good vibe, sure, and then it sure. has to just be magic yeah. somehow. Yeah, yeah, and I think people vibe, you know, like everyone, like everyone's personality vibes with someone's, you know, or someone yeah. else's, and so you can, you find your tribe, you find your people um, who, you, who you like and kind of think along the lines with, and not everybody has to be your best friend. Um, yeah, but it is, it is, it definitely is that kind of industry where, you know, social stuff matters, and, 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 and social... You know, in terms of like, you, know, you mentioned that my first firm did they were they asking about my pizza drinking, my pizza eating skills? Like yeah. not really, but like we did do like wine, like we did like happy hours, right? And I don't uh-huh. know anything about wine, so I was like, oh, I'm trying to brush up on, you know, oh, it's a bold cap or it's you know whatever the tannins have <laughs> are very dry in the back of my tongue, whatever. Um, but like, do, do you have to talk about skiing? Because like that's a code switch bro. I don't know how to do. I never I've skied never a day in my skiing. life until, yes. <laughs> like, I, I think during, during the pandemic, I went for the first time, possibly the oh, last wow. time. Um, you in know, California, I, like Big Bear yeah, or something? Yeah, yeah, I went to Big Bear. Oh, um, nice. You know, end of the day, just sore in muscle groups that I was unaware I had. Uh, <laughs> and one, I, you know, I was like, oh, so this is fun. Okay, uh, cool. I, uh, but you know. The other thing that, so so there's that social side of it that's like, oh, let me like figure out how to be social with a certain group of people, maybe have some of the same interests, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But then there's the kind of like social impact side of it, which is like, um, right now there is, I think, a renaissance, and it's it's not just like in the last like year or two, it's, it's been a little while now, a renaissance of like creators of color um, and creators of different perspective, uh, you know, LGBTQ plus and, um, and obviously like women and a whole bunch of like marginalized groups and I think a part of that um, growth and a part of highlighting these different types of creators um, and a part of like empowering them is for them is like look I want to be surrounded by a team that looks like me and and or have someone on the team who kind of understands who, who I have a bit of a shorthand with and that's not to say that women or people in the LGBTQ plus community or black people are monolith um, but there are sometimes shared experiences. And so I will get a call from people sometimes who I don't do a lot of business with. And they're like, hey, have you been? I have a client for you. And it's like, oh, okay. Uh, it's like been like a year and a half since I you know, talked to you last. But I appreciate it. And it's a black client. And that black client wants a black lawyer. And yeah. cool. I happen yeah. to be a black lawyer. And I think <laughs> I happen to, I think I'm good hey. at my job. You know, <laughs> hey. And so it's like, uh, there is that element of it that's like, yeah, I um, I have some understanding and common like ground with a lot of creators and, and artists out there. Um, and they want to be represented by people who understand them. And so that's not really anything you can, like, you can't wake up and change who you are. But, um, yeah. you know, you don't, I think, I say all that to say, don't like, run away from your culture or your specificity of experience because there are other people out there who share that. and who probably want someone on their team who understands that. Yeah, and that's that's where our power lies in in our uniqueness. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure, for sure. I think, I mean, even just from a content perspective, some of the best, some of the stuff I've enjoyed most over the last um, you know, five, 10 years, whether it's like Parasite or uh, Rami on Hulu or- uh-huh. um, like, Love Rami. Yeah, oh, it's genius. It's genius. Yeah. It's hilarious. Um, Did you watch the latest season? I haven't yet, so no spoilers. Oh, okay. It's I'm big, excellent. I'm big, yeah. I'm big anti-spoiler. 
Yeah, because um, I'm also from Jersey and that part of oh, Jersey, like Bergen yeah, County yeah. area. Yeah, yeah, so I, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, I, I love him. He's hilarious, but yeah. also it's very dark and deep. Yes. Um, and that's how that's what I enjoy about storytelling, yeah. uh, especially in writing about my culture. Um, mm-hmm. My family's from Haiti. Mm-hmm. Um, there are light moments, but then there are also deep and heavy ones. Um, yeah. And it and they go hand in hand. So I, I, hand that's what I love. I love about him. Uh-huh. For sure. And it's and it's like it, whether it's that or like I, I really enjoyed Minari and Pachinko on Apple. Oh, There's okay. these these stories about kind of the immigrant experience as well, the fish out yeah. of water experience of being in a different place and wanting so desperately to fit in but not lose where you come from. Mm-hmm. Those things are they are very specific, but they appeal to a lot like these large groups of people, um, right. right? Or like even like a show like This Is Us, which maybe some people would classify as broad, but um, I think was specific in the sense of like it told stories about family and then what family life was, and that family went through way too much. But um, <laughs> but like you know that was them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good joke. Uh, uh, <laughs> And, uh, but yeah, no, so, so I think, I think, um, I think the specificity matters and, uh, and yeah, definitely like lean, lean into that. Don't, don't kind of show up to corporate America and try to be like, I don't know, widget maker number one, just be yourself. Yeah. Don't be a robot. Yeah. Um, okay. Can I play a quick game for you before I let, with you before I let you go? Absolutely. legal or not legal okay and i'm going to rattle off six examples of things that could be legal or illegal okay so giving cops the middle finger Ooh. um i i, I look let me preface all this by saying like entertainment lawyers are like the last like ring right if there's like seven rings like in dante's inferno like we're like on the seventh <laughs> ring of lawyering because like i said a lot of what we do is business stuff but i'm pretty sure giving a cop a finger is legal i think yes with, like, under the first amendment yes it, it is yeah under freedom of speech it's it is protected um but you know it's not the smartest thing to do it's not and, the smartest thing to do yeah because like if you know look we've obviously seen a lot of like, police violence um yeah always but recently uh and uh if you are shot and god forbid killed it doesn't really matter whether what you did was legal or legal in some ways it's just it you know the retribution that your family or your friends get cannot bring you back so no so yeah so don't do it um okay next one driving barefoot with the interior light on in the car all right, so I know for sure the interior lighting is not uh, illegal because, like, I don't know why I was so scared. I don't know who, who my mom or who told me that, like, yeah. that was going to get me pulled over. Uh, I'm going to guess that the driving barefoot is not legal. Yeah, they're both actually legal. Oh, driving barefoot yeah. is legal. Yeah, okay. you, can totally, you can totally do both. But, yeah, I, I growing up, I, yeah, I used to beg my parents, can you turn the light on? Because like, it was yeah. dark in the car. Yeah. And, like, no, you can't. Um, so I always... I think yeah. I thought it was illegal, but yeah, I no, it's to, totally legal. I need to talk to some like non-immigrant Americans. See, if this is <laughs> is this just a plague that affects us, or if it's if it affects everyone? Yeah, because my my dad was just he was not trying to get 
pulled for over. Sure. He wasn't sure. trying to push the envelope. For sure. Whatever. Yeah, straight and narrow. Okay, so next one. Owning an operational tank. No, that's got to be illegal, right? Is that legal? So you can legally own a tank. However, a civilian will not be able to purchase a tank with a working cannon. So Got it. sorry. Okay, okay. Guys. Operational, but without the cannon. Yeah, and guns. Right. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. Singing happy birthday. Oh, this sounds like a trick, but I, I don't know. I do it every, I do it multiple times a year. I did it on, yeah, I think I did it this morning, actually. So I'm going to go with yeah. legal. <laughs> Well, happy birthday to whoever you wished happy birthday to. Um, it's the, of course, it's the most recognized song in the English language, but um, until 2016, it was illegal for you to sing it, like in, in a film or or. Okay, recording. yeah, for li- licensing reasons. Yeah, for licensing yeah. reasons. So, like, movie producers, restaurant owners, they need to obtain a license. They used to, I guess, need to obtain a license to broadcast mm-hmm. or publicly perform the song. Yeah. Um, and you're, of course, safe to sing the song in your home, in your office. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, now now I believe it's part of public domain, but it, Very it was a journey. Very yes. interesting. Yeah, so, like, uh, and, and again, not on the music side, but then a lot of that happens through, like, um, certain organizations like BMI and ASCAP who will do, like, the licenses for, um, yeah. for like, restaurants and, and things like that. And then, like, for movies, you for certain rights, you have to go directly to the publishers or to the labels. But that's really interesting. I did not know that Happy Birthday had been... Uh, was not in the public domain for until it was illegal. Yeah, it was, let's be bad. Let's sing Happy Birthday. Yeah, yeah, okay. like prohibition okay. and Happy Birthday. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. Last question: Possessing a permanent marker. Again, I'm getting I'm getting the the trick question feeling from this, but I I hate to be a lawbreaker, but I I don't know. I'm gonna go legal. I'm gonna go legal. So in uh, states like Florida and New York, um, and it's, you know, it's very weird, but like with anti-graffiti laws, mm-hmm. um, it, it's illegal to possess aerosol cans and broad-tipped indelible markers on your person. So chances are if you are found with them, they would be confiscated rather than resulting in, in jail time or fines. Yeah. That actually happened to me. I went to a show at really? uh, this spot called El Rey in L.A. Mm-hmm. And they, I had a marker just because my son has markers in the car to yeah. draw. So I think I just happened to have one um, on my person. Yeah. And they they threw it away. And it was like a good sharpie. Wow. Yeah. So I was like, oh. no, right, I was well, like, good. can I? Yeah, I was like, can the person just hold it and I'll, I'll come back? It's like, no, I have to throw it away. So, yeah, so so it's illegal in some places. So, okay, so concealed carry. So you can... <laughs> oh, I'm just trying to put this Yeah, together. I know, especially in Florida. Yeah, you yeah, You can yeah. have a gun, but not a Sharpie. Yeah, yeah, interesting, interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I, I kind of thought everything went in Florida. Um, yeah. New York, like, I, oh, stop and frisk, so it kind of makes sense, but... Um, if only that yeah. seven ring could somehow <laughs> you could touch on that that law in uh, in Florida yeah and, and fix that well but. I'll get my best people on it that's that's really weird um, yeah guns but not yeah, stand your ground law like yeah, yeah. no problem but like okay. no sharpie got it maybe yeah. what we need to do those who are interested in gun reform is like shoot buildings and I think then we'll tighten up those laws oh yeah. The, well, there you go. Because yeah. then, yeah, it's uh, it depends on who's affected. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, building yeah, lives right. matter. Building lives yes, matter. Yes, buildings. <laughs> buildings matter. Yes, it's true. Oh, this is our world. And yeah, corporations are people. 
All that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So okay, let's let's be happy now. Yes. What's making you happy these days? Um, I have a, a five. Let's see, five and a half month old. Congrats. Um, she makes me really happy. Uh, she is starting to laugh a lot and uh, yell and grab and like look look at like really make good great eye contact. And oh. She's rolling around. She makes me happy. Uh, my wife makes me happy. Um, you know, I have. I'm lucky because none of my none of my family is from LA, but my brother and sister live out here. Uh, two of my wife's sisters live out here, so we get to see a lot of family. Um, oh, it makes great. me really happy. Um, other stuff that is on the secondary level of happiness. Uh, I love great TV shows, great movies. I'm excited for. Oh, excuse me. I'm excited for. Um, um, Black Adams coming out. Oh uh, yeah. Seems like really fun. Um, yeah, I've seen like African American Adam or Negro Adam. I've seen different <laughs> jokes on yeah, Black Adam, yeah, but yeah, 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 I love The Rock. Um, yeah, 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 The Rock is great. He's kind of like I don't know, just a really likable, likable, oh, offensive guy. He's amazing. Yes. Um, I, 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 I like anime. There's a lot of great anime coming out. Uh huh. Um, yeah, great TV shows. I don't know. I live in LA, so the weather is usually pretty good. It's hot. Yeah. Uh, it's hot over the next couple of days, but uh, a lot, a lot is making me happy. God, God, I, maybe, maybe the overarching thing is I have a lot of joy in my life. So God, God makes me happy. Yes. Well, uh, blessings to you. Thank you so much. How can people find you? Uh, Do you want you know, them to find you? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Uh, find me on LinkedIn. Um, Raymond yes. Tambe, I'm right there. You're um, the first. You're yeah. the first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not, not a super common name. So if anyone, like, if anyone is like interested in like getting some advice or, or you know, whatever wants to reach out, um, I try to be responsive. It is not the social media platform that I check the most, but I do eventually get around to it. Um, you know, when I have time, I love talking to people about this business and how they can participate in it and um, benefit from it. And um, yeah. Yeah, thank you so much. This has been amazing. Yeah, uh, so my pleasure. We'll see, yeah, thank you. So we'll see you next week. I'm Yummy Coco. Keep your lamplight trimmed and burning. Bye.